The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Tuesday, March 7th in Hong Kong, Monday, March 6th in New York. And coming up today, markets look to Fed Chair Jay Powell's testimony to Congress for hints on the Fed's rate hike path. The Reserve Bank of Australia may hike interest rates for a 10th straight meeting as inflation remains elevated. And UBS lifts its growth forecast for China as the firm sees a rapid rebound in consumer spending. Legislation to be introduced in the U.S. to ban or prohibit some Chinese tech. Taiwan's president will now meet the U.S. House Speaker in the U.S. rather than Taiwan. Call for investigations of global biolabs. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Tomorrow, we may get hints on the Fed's rate hike path as the chair, Jay Powell, testifies before Congress. Bloomberg's Michael McKee has a preview. Timing is everything, and the Fed chair doesn't seem to have it. Officials have been saying they are data dependent, yet three of the biggest data releases that will influence the Fed's decisions don't come until after he testifies Tuesday and Wednesday. Powell is likely to point out the labor market remains very tight, a judgment they hang on the JOLTS report out Wednesday. Fed officials have forecast job growth will slow and unemployment rise as rates go up, but the jobs numbers aren't out until Friday. Of course, their focus is on inflation. But the latest data on consumer prices don't come out until next week. Given that, Powell is likely to stick to the Fed's working script. Rates still need to go higher and stay up longer, but he won't be able to tell Congress how high or how long. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. We go to Jamie Dimon next, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. He has two main concerns in his outlook. We heard from earlier today at a conference in Miami. The thing I worry the most about, if you go, is Ukraine. It's oil, gas, so the leadership of the world, and you know our relationship with China. I mean, that that is much more serious than the economic vibrations we all have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Jamie Dimon there, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, he went on to say overall trends in the global economy are inflationary. Even so, he thinks the American economy could still achieve a soft landing. And he went on to say there's a good chance that inflation will come down, but not enough by the fourth quarter. And Dimon thinks the Fed may actually have to do a little bit more in terms of tightening, Brian. Yeah, the market is expecting three more 25 basis point to hike, so up around 5.5%. What'll be key is whether or not Powell hints at something uh, more being necessary. Well, let's switch to China here. China wants consumption to play a bigger role in driving the economy this year. That story from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann. 
The National Development and Reform Commission said it would take measures to help support spending. The NDRC wants to stabilize the buying of big-ticket items and expand rural consumption. The commission also plans to raise household income and support demand for better housing for electric cars and elderly care. The recovery in consumer spending has been rapid since the country reopened. As a result, UBS lifted its GDP outlook for China from 4.9 percent to 5.4 percent. Earlier on Sunday, China announced a growth target of around 5 percent, less ambitious than many economists expected. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And we are expecting a policy decision from the Reserve Bank of Australia at 10.30 p.m. Wall Street time. We have a preview now from Bloomberg's Annabelle Drewlers. Australia's central bank is set to raise interest rates for a 10th straight meeting. All economists in our survey expect the RBA to hike its cash rate by a quarter percentage point to 3.6%. That would be to a level not seen since May of 2012. Australian policymakers are grappling with elevated inflation, slowing growth and rising unemployment. Traders will be focused on whether RBA Governor Philip Lowe continues with his guidance of further hikes ahead. Lowe has struggled to maintain a consistent message. The RBA considered a pause in December and turned hawkish in February following strong consumer price data. Now money markets are pricing a peak rate of 4.2% this year, suggesting at least three more quarter-point hikes to come. In Hong Kong, I'm Annabelle Drullers, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Back in the United States, a major airline deal may end up in court with action taken as early as Tuesday. Bloomberg's Anne Cates reports. The Justice and Transportation Departments plan to block JetBlue's nearly $4 billion merger with Spirit Airlines. Officials with Justice are expected to file an antitrust lawsuit in federal court, alleging that the combination of the two carriers would increase airfares and decrease options for travelers. The Transportation Department will begin a parallel proceeding to block the transfer of Spirit's airline certificate as incompatible with the public interest, something the agency has not done since the airline industry was deregulated in 1978. In Washington, Ann Cates. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. So, Doug, the bond market made a a pretty big move last week. The stock market, not so much. Uh, We've sort of chopped around here for the S&P 500 between 3,800 and 4,200, going back for five or six months or so. Uh, We've got four big events coming up. So you've got about, uh, well, potentially 13 days of angst before the Fed pulls the trigger. Yeah, we mentioned the Powell testimony and the employment report at the end of the week. Let's Push it into next week, Brian, because that's when we get the U.S. uh, Consumer Price Index data. I don't know if you saw the Cleveland Fed puts out an inflation model, and this has been remarkably accurate in predicting price pressures. And one of the things this model suggests is that headline CPI in the U.S. will rise in the month of February by 6.2% from last year. Core mm. would be up 5.5%. So to go back to the Powell story, inflation in the states remains very, very hot, and I think there is a risk that rates do remain higher for longer. Right now, I think we can agree the market's expecting maybe a terminal rate of five and a half percent maybe it does get closer to six who knows yeah, it, it just sort of feels in our gut that it's going to go up a little bit more, uh, but that we'll have to wait and see. Meantime, we've got Chinese export data today, mm. and if those exports are weak as expected, uh, a Bloomberg survey is estimating exports will have dropped 9% in February. Uh, it, it could be that that means that the strong PMIs that we had, uh, that a lot of that is domestic growth. And so that would be very welcome news for an economy that is struggling to get going. Yeah, and particularly welcome news 
avenues for leadership that would like to see uh, the Chinese economy less dependent on the rest of the world. I think that's fair to yeah, say. Yeah, they really are pushing for uh, domestic consumption. All right, it's time now for Global News. Two U.S. senators plan to introduce legislation this week aimed at regulation of technology products from China. Ed Baxter has global news. And Ed, does that read TikTok? Oh, yeah. They're calling it the TikTok bill. Exactly, Brian. Uh, The aim is letting the U.S. ban or prohibit the use of Chinese tech. Uh, Bloomberg's Kaylee Lyons says Senator Mark Warner is a co-sponsor. He has two concerns here, one about the potential propaganda element, the other about data security, because as we're all scrolling on TikTok, our data is being collected. And the concern is that ByteDance, being a Chinese company, then would have that data being shared with the Chinese government. And would give the U.S. a right under national security concerns. It may be as early as tomorrow we're seeing now. A report today that U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he's going to change plans for meeting with Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen. McCarthy plans now to meet in his home state of California rather than traveling to Taiwan. Financial Times reports he hopes to avoid any aggressive response from Beijing. Tsai will visit uh, both California, New York in early April as part of a trip that includes Central America. Focus on the origins of the COVID pandemic are changing a bit to say the globe needs to set up systems for monitoring global biolabs like the one in Wuhan, China. Democratic Congressman Jake Auchincloss of Massachusetts on Bloomberg Sound On says, yeah, it's time to move. We know that we need to be preparing for zoonotic diseases by increasing R&D and infectious disease uh, aid to developing nations. We also know that we need to be on guard for man-made diseases uh, by increasing our biodefenses. And Bloomberg's Rick Davis has time to make some major decisions. Then why aren't we investigating these labs? Uh, we do it with uh, people who refine uh, uh, nuclear uh, material, but the COVID has killed more people than nuclear material has since it was invented. Rick says it will show how serious the globe wants to be. Concern is being expressed today. The U.S. is not interested in global trade. Suzanne Clark is a U.S. Chamber of Commerce president and CEO. And here on Bloomberg. If you think about the fact in the last 10 years, the U.S. hasn't signed a single trade agreement while the rest of the world has inked 100, it's clear that we are being left behind. We are pushing this administration to get us out of the timeout box on trade and back in the playing field. And Clark says that frameworks have been laid with uh, nations like UK and Kenya and have not been done. She says no explanation other than they are anti-trade. Iran's supreme leader is now saying the reported poisoning of hundreds of Iranian girls in recent months is an unforgivable crime. He says he has started an investigation. Meanwhile, White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre is calling for an independent global investigation. The continued poisoning of schoolgirls uh, across uh, across Iran is is uh, unconscionable. Uh, there must be a credible, independent investigation, accountability for those responsible. She says shameful and unacceptable. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. 
Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rashad Salama. Our guest is Gary Schlossberg, a global strategist at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. Gary, we're always trying to read the message of the market. I mentioned that we've been range-bound here on the S&P between 3,800 and 4,200. We're a smack dab in the middle here. What is the message of the market at the moment? I think it's caution, uh, bordering on apprehension. There is a a concern that while the economy continues to hold up well, uh, the upside to Fed policy rate increases has certainly uh, risen a bit. We, like most others, are looking for a 5.5% terminal rate on the upside, but uh, there's every possibility that it could move higher if both the activity data and the CPI numbers out over the next couple of months remain elevated. So, you know, this is the question I tend to ask quite a few of our guests, which is what, what is the divorce between the market's thinking and the message from the Federal Reserve? Well, I think the market feels that the Federal Reserve is toward the end of its tightening cycle. It will be raising rates several more times, but uh, the increases themselves have tapered off uh, to uh, 25 basis points. I think that could be a little bit of a jolt if the Fed decided, given the economic data, to uh, resume those half percentage point increases. We don't expect that, but uh, I think the market would be kept off guard as well. And, um, uh, you know, against that backdrop, the economy continues to do well. And so the market tends to look through the potential for those uh, moderate increases in interest rates going forward. The net of it is uh, a reasonably good economic environment. But the downside to that is that uh, if the Fed moves more aggressively or there's any sign of the loss of momentum by the economy, then uh, we could see an adverse reaction by the market. Well, at the moment, the market's estimate of the terminal rate is higher than the Fed's. So right now, whatever you see in the bond market and the stock market, it is based on the market reading of the terminal rate of 5.5%. The last reading we got uh, um, on the dot plots was back in December. Now, that may go up now above 5.5%. But it seems like they're, they're sort of all understanding that it's the data that will drive this. You can't make the decision what it's going to be like in three months. You have to live through it. What I'm curious about is, what is the intersecting line between, you know, your estimate of when we see inflation actually peaking and disinflation taking over? We're moving down in a convincing fashion. Where does that connect with the Fed saying it it pauses? Well, I I think we're really going to have to wait until we're into a recession. We uh, expect inflation's ride to be a bumpy one going forward. We could see some upside bias uh, for a time, but that uh, sustained move lower. And we think that the downside potential is there, but not there until the recession really begins to uh, uh, bite and uh, excess capacity opens up and the pullback in spending is sufficient enough to allow inflation to come off the boil. 
We're looking for the recession in the second half of the year, but that intersect may not come until late summer, early in the fall. Hmm. Uh, tell me something here as well, Gary. When you look at uh, you know markets themselves and trading here, too, you know, it, one gets uh, a feeling. In fact, others have actually perhaps elucidated this better than I have, and that is that something might break. As so we've got these very attractive high short-term yields out there, you've got quantitative tightening as well, and all of that can try to get it to suck the liquidity out of everything else. Are you seeing a problem with liquidity? Not just yet. If uh, former Chairman Greenspan was sitting here, he, I think, would probably call it, as he put it, a conundrum. If you look at the real or effective Fed funds rate, the better measure of the bite to monetary policy on economic activity, you could argue it still remains quite low. It's still running below the inflation rate uh, in the run-up to the global financial crisis, which some people consider more normal times. It was a positive one and a half percent. Having said that, uh, the view on liquidity, I think, is mixed. We are seeing a tightening. Bank credit standards are tightening up quite a bit. Uh, money growth has turned negative for the first time in at least the last 60, 65 years. So there is evidence that it is tightening up, but the, mm. it, it is against the backdrop of a sizable amount of money relative to GDP. The stock, the amount of liquidity is still considerable, which puts with that relatively yeah. low Fed, real Fed funds rate. A moment on China. Uh, we're getting the trade data today. Um, what are you expecting? Do you like China? Are you cautious? Where do you go? Well, I think we're less cautious than we were, uh, say, uh, a month or so ago. It's clear that uh, the economy is coming back a bit following the withdrawal of that zero COVID policy. Um, the nature, the mix of economic growth may be less beneficial, of course, to uh, the global economy than it might have been otherwise. The Chinese government over the weekend set that 5% growth target for 2023 and did say that the focus would be more on the consumer. That tends to be less import-intensive than an investment-driven policy, the traditional growth engine in China, more uh, import-intensive. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York. Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 106.1 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.